It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. We're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call 912-268-2328 912-268-2328 find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Holiday Inn and all their properties hey listen if you got to travel someplace make sure you stay at a Holiday Inn my favorites Holiday Inn Resorts, and, of course, the Holiday Inn Express. Now, I'll give you a better reason to stay at a Holiday Inn property. I'll get you a discount. That's right, the Billy C. discount. Just call our toll-free number, 844-603-0364, 844-603-0364. Or just click on the Holiday Inn banner, which is located on BillyCBoxing.com. And finally... Today's show is being brought to us in part by my book. Tom Molino from Bondage to Bettest Man on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this very show. Just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. Yeah, it's a true story and everyone should know about this guy. What? You want a signed copy? Just visit the website, billycboxing.com, and uh, click on the book. If you want more than one copy, drop me an email, billy at talkingboxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Um, coming up a little bit later on the show, I, I said uh, last week uh, that we will... Uh, um, be making an announcement today um, about the show and the future of the show. So uh, uh, I'll be talking about that a little bit later. First, hey, I got to give props right now to my man Johnston. He kicked off today's show with something I wish everyone did. Uh, Gave us a super chat. And uh, my man Johnston says, uh, as I crawl out from under my World Cup rock, It's time to get back into the world of boxing. In the meantime, 
Billy, can I get a It's Coming Home? You certainly can, Johnston. It's coming home. All right. I appreciate that. Uh, Like uh, we have said many, many times, uh, this show uh, uh, does a lot uh, better when we get uh, Super Chats. So uh, thank you very much, Johnston. Um, Like I said, coming up a little bit, I'm going to give you guys uh, an update on the future of this show. Um, Some people may be happy and some people I can pretty much guess are going to be sad but uh it is what it is we'll talk about that a little bit later um i also am going to take a look at the heavyweight division uh you know preparing for today's show when i was uh doing the heavyweight roundup um you know i I couldn't help but but start thinking about the heavyweight division and we've been talking so much about uh you know deontay wilder uh, not fighting anthony joshua and then when you remove AJ and, and Deontay from the mix, uh, uh, who's left? Well, I'm going to talk about that and about the sanctioning body rankings. I mean, what a joke, man. What a joke. Um, another thing, we got some fight results we're going to chat about uh, right now. Um, but first, uh, uh, I wanted to mention one thing. Uh, you know, the main event that was scheduled for this week, this Past weekend's uh, ESPN card uh, featured uh, uh, WBC uh, junior welterweight world champion Jose Ramirez uh, going up against Danny O'Connor, but it did not take place um, be prior to the weigh-in. Uh, actually, in the morning of the weigh-in, Danny O'Connor uh, was rushed to the hospital uh, because um, he was... Uh, uh, passed out, uh, dehydration. He was having a hard time making weight, and uh, therefore that fight had been canceled. Uh, joining me right now to get his thoughts, uh, someone who's been very vocal uh, about these uh, 24-hour day weigh-ins. And, and quite honestly, we haven't seen legitimate, in my opinion, weight classes at least a night at a fight for some uh, for some time right now. Uh, joining us is uh, my partner in crime, uh, Sal uh, Rocky Senecola. Sal, the first thing we you said to me uh, this morning when we were uh, uh, talking prior to going live, uh, you said, are we going to talk about this guy not making weight? It was a little more serious than just not making weight. I mean, this was a guy um, that I, I think kind of kind of showed us the dangers of what these young fighters are expected to do in order to dry out and make weight. And Danny O'Connor, obviously not fighting in the weight, uh, correct weight class. What's your thoughts on the situation? Bill, my thoughts are this, pal. You know my thoughts. I think they should go for weigh-ins being one week before the fight. There you go. You have enough time to recover, enough time to do this. No, what are you kidding me? Forget about it. This is ridiculous. You know, I have stood firm and always believe that same-day weigh-ins are the correct way, the one way, the only way where you're going to get some fighters that will represent the weight class they're fighting in. Uh, you know what? If your body's not meant to lose 20, 30 pounds, you shouldn't have to tear it down just to try to sustain a level of, of uh, competency and professionalism. Well, I mean, just being able to physically endure what it tears and the minerals and the electrolytes and everything else that you're, that you're depleting out of your body to make a weight class so you, 24 hours later you can replenish and come back a monster or a giant. You know, my last fight, 
when I fought before I retired the last time. Whoa, that's funny. Follow the bouncing boy, girl. But follow the bouncing ball. I'm still in my middle cup of my first cup of coffee. Um, you know, I fought Louis Lamelli um, on the Vinnie Pazienza, Greg Haugen undercard. It was a co-feature out in the Lang City Convention Center back February 6, 1988. And we had the weigh-ins the day before the fight. And Louis Lamelli uh, was a big guy. If you look at him, he looks like a middleweight, maybe, and we were fighting at 135 lightweight. And he came into that ring. I would be very surprised if he was not close to 160 pounds, 155 pounds. And uh, no excuse, no reason. But the bottom line is, yeah, that's what the day before weigh-ins can do. And it doesn't really represent the true weight class. At 160 pounds, 180 pounds, or 130 pounds. You, got, you know, that's why I'm a big proponent of the same day weigh-ins. A 5-pound, and 8-pound weight difference is a lot better than a 20 or a, a 30 or a 15-pound weight difference. And, now, and this guy tearing himself down, uh, trying to make weight, and now in a hospital because his kidneys shut down, from what I heard, other things are happening. You know, you want to talk about detrimental and not being healthy and the whole thing that the, the feel-good police were coming out to do to try and save boxing or to make it safer and less dangerous, well, let's cut the 15 rounds down to 12 rounds. Okay, we'll do that because people get knocked out or die in the 13th round and on. Forget about it. Or let's try and do this. Let's get the bigger gloves. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's, uh, let's not make people uh, dry out 24 hours before they got to step on a scale um, and make weight. Uh, the day of the fight, let's let them do twice as much uh, uh, depleting of their body and have them do it the day before the fight. Forget about it, guys. These feel-good police have ruined the sport as we knew it. You know, you mentioned electrolytes, and I couldn't help. I don't know if you remember. You remember that commercial? Hey, we're the auto lights. Uh, it was a spark plug commercial. <laughs> yeah, guy I, lifts the I hood. remember that. The guy lifts the hood and the spark plugs. Hey, we're the auto lights. Hey, like they were dancing around. But anyway, um, on a serious note, you know, what, what yeah. is happening is that uh, because of the 24-hour weigh-in, and, you know, I, I don't need any of these yahoos to ex ex send me an email. Well, well, Billy, see, no reason why they do it is, you know, uh, Listen, I know why they do it. And the reason why they do it is because some fighters can dry out better than others, and they're looking to get an advantage. And um, I think at this stage of the game, it's, uh, it's, it's like you said, it's detrimental to the health of the fighter. And if people, you know, these hypocrites, Sal, saying that they want to look out for the safety of the fighters and everything else, they really don't. I mean, uh, the, one of the reasons they changed the weigh-in was because if there, somebody couldn't make weight, the, the networks wanted 24 hours to try to find a suitable replacement, just like they did You're in right. this fight. Um, you, you are know, so right. You know, Thank I, you and, for being honest. And that, listen, that's, the, that's really the truth. Because if they had the same day weigh-in and this fight was all ready to go live and all of a sudden uh, one of the fighters can't fight, now, now all the money invested, the setup, the production, all of these things are already in place. Then they're like, whoops. So they try to cater to that. So please don't, don't, don't act like, not you, but the powers that be, don't act like you care about the fighters because you really don't. But nonetheless, hey, by the way, we're doing a commercial free show today. Commercial free show. So, um, so anyway, the fights that did take place, 
um, in uh, the main event was Igoris Kavaluskats. Let me try that. Okay, yeah, yeah, please. Carol, I, I think you got it. Kavaluskas. 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 Uh, and, uh, Kav- oh. Kavalauskas, maybe. Kavalauskas. I'll go with that. Kaval. Kavaluskas and uh, Juan Carlos Abreu moved into the main event, and uh, Kavaluskas improved to twenty and zero with sixteen knockouts, despite being cut over not one but both his eyes. Uh, won a uh, unanimous decision. Abreu drops to twenty-one wins, four losses, and a draw with nineteen of his wins coming by knockout. The way the judges saw it, two of them had it 97-93. The third had it one round closer, ninety-six-ninety-four. Uh, also on that card. Uh, Andy uh, Vences improved to 21 wins and uh, no losses with a draw uh, when he beat Frank D'Alba, who drops to 22-4 and four with a couple of draws, 99-91 twice, 98-92. And in the heavyweight division, uh, one of the reasons that's got me uh, going uh, with the heavyweights today, um, former top-ranked Andy Ruiz Jr., who's looking uh, pretty good these days uh, uh, physically-wise. I, I really was on Andy's uh, case uh, when he was uh, basically looked like the Michelin man. He improved to 31-1, and one, his only loss coming at the hands of Joseph Parker when he won a unanimous decision over the tough Kevin Johnson, who drops to 32-10 and 10 with a draw. Kevin Johnson uh, is winding down his career, 38 years old. This is a guy that just wants to be an opponent at this point, make some money. The way the judges scored it, 97-93 twice and uh, 99-91 uh, were the uh, way that uh, uh, the judges scored that one. Some other fights that took place uh, over the weekend. Uh, Bebot Shumanov improved to 18-2 and and got his old title back despite being off for not one but two years uh, of uh, uh, could two years was a layoff one year was a retirement um, and he regained his WBA regular can, I, Sal can you believe that the WBA actually has the gall to refer to their one of their world titles as just the regular world title. I, I, it's such a joke. It's such a joke. And when I take a deeper look at the WBA in a, in a little while, it's pretty obvious. But nonetheless, they let uh, Bibat Shumanov uh, take on uh, Hizni uh, Altukia uh, for their vacant regular world cruiserweight title. And uh, Bibat Shumanov uh, took it. He won it via ninth round stoppage. Uh, in uh, Pakistan uh, over the weekend. Another fight uh, that took place, uh, um, Harold Calderon improved to 17-0 with 10 knockouts uh, when he beat uh, David, I'm sorry, John David uh, Martinez uh, in, uh, uh, in their fight. And um, uh, the way the judges scored at, 99-91, uh, and two of them had it uh, 100-90. Um in uh, down from the land down under, um, uh, super featherweight champion Nort uh, B champ improved to seventeen and two uh, when he uh, won a decision over Joel Bruckner, ninety nine ninety one ninety six ninety four and then uh, ninety three uh, ninety seven. Uh, one judge scored it for uh, uh, Joel Bruckner uh, to give uh, 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 Beach Camp. The, uh, the split decision win. How does a fight 
get scored like that, Sal. 99-91, 96-94. So the one judge had it close. The other judge didn't. But then the third judge looks at it as 97-93, not close for the other guy. I, it makes no sense to me. How, how, how do you score a fight that has such war, wide margins like that? It's it's remarkable. I you know I I don't know. I was gonna ask Adeline Bird, but uh, you know it just uh, I know it's all subject to opinion. There's some rules, regulations, barometers that they utilize and and, and things. But uh, uh, I uh, I just don't understand. I really don't understand. It should be consistent within a few points anyway. You know, a little bit of a margin of error, but it should work. I just don't understand how uh, no. uh, how they can be. I could see one judge scoring at 96-94 for one guy and then another one scoring at 96-94 for the other. That's close. It's within reason. But anyway, heavyweight roundup uh, on Saturday. Well, let's start off. There's a late result. On Sunday in the U.K., Naylor uh, Ball improved to 5-0 and uh, when he won a uh, four-round decision over Frerich uh, Zalek, who uh, drops to... 21 wins, 70 losses, and six draws. You know, people look at a record like that, and you say, oh, man, you know, what, what's he allowed to fight? Well, that's why a lot of these European fighters are more talented because they get to fight. I mean, here's a uh, Naylor Ball is a guy that uh, was in his fifth professional fight. Yes, uh, Zalik had uh, 70 losses or 69 going into the fight, but that's still... Uh, you know, almost a hundred professional fights under his belt. You know, fighting against a guy that's five uh, and oh. Now I wouldn't, uh, or was four and oh. Now I wouldn't want to see uh, a guy with a twenty-one and seventy record going up against a guy with a forty and zero record. That's not a challenging fight. But a young fighter to fight uh, a guy that's got some ring savvy, even though if uh, you know he looks for a comfortable place to. To go to sleep a lot. Um, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is it's a lot different over there. Anyway, that took place on Sunday. On Saturday, uh, in Corpus Christi, Texas, uh, Juan Garza improved to two and zero when he knocked out Alan Nelson, who was making his pro debut in the first round of a scheduled four. Obviously, Nelson drops to zero and one. Ernest Reyna improved to nine and five when he locked knocked out uh, Larry King in the first round of a scheduled four-round fight. Larry, I'm sorry, Larry Knight, not Larry King. Larry Knight drops to <laughs> Larry, uh, you know, we've all heard of Larry King. Well, you, it, well don't you knight, a, knight, a, you knight somebody. You knight a king. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, even that, even that was yeah. kind of, you felt like, have another yeah, sip. No, have another sip of coffee. <laughs> Larry Knight drops to one win, 15 losses, and a draw. Now, Friday, it was a busy fight uh, schedule in uh, Australia um, on Friday in New South Wales, Australia. Uh, Willis Meehan improved to six and zero when he stopped uh, Jonas uh, Kafka in the uh, second of a scheduled eight round. Kafka drops to uh, three and one. Danny Rio he improved to three wins, two losses, and a draw when he stopped Wade Hatch in the first round of a scheduled four-round fight. Hatch drops to one and three. And Ben uh, Fatikla improved to five and four when he won a four-round majority decision over uh, Stuart Stokes, who almost got his first win. He's now 0-6. Now, in Victoria, Australia, at the Melbourne Pavilion, 
They had a night of heavyweights. Shane Munford making his pro debut a successful one, improved to 1-0 when he knocked out Kyle Brumby in the uh, third of a scheduled four-round fight. Brumby drops to five wins, 14 losses, and three draws. Then they put on an eight-man tournament where they fought uh, three rounds per fight all in the same night. And uh, I love these tournaments, Sal. Um, Brett Jeffrey in in the first quarterfinal improved to three and zero when he stopped Filippo Fonti Masso uh, in the second of their scheduled three round fights. Masso drops to three and fourteen in the uh, second quarterfinal. Uh, Fiega Oplu improved to six and zero when he stopped Thomas Pito in the first round of a scheduled three round fight. Pito drops to two and seven in the uh, final uh, quarterfinal. Uh, Kiki Toa Latuli improved to 2-0 and with a draw when he stopped Casper Turner in the second of the third of, of the uh, three-round scheduled fight. Uh, Turner dropped to 1-1. One and one. Then it set us up for the semifinals. Uh, Christian Nazee Tasui improved to 2-0 and when he won a three-round split decision over Fiega Opelu, who drops to 6-1. and one. Um, Tasui uh, apparently got the... Uh, uh, got, got drew the bye in that uh, uh, first round. Uh, in the second semifinal fight, Kiki uh, Toei Latui improved to 3-0 and with a draw when he stopped Brett Jeffrey in the second round of a scheduled th- three-round fight. And Jeffrey loses for the first time in his career. Um, he drops to 3-1, and which set up the final, Sal. Kiki <laughs> Toa Latui. He improved to 4 0 with a draw when he won a three round unanimous decision over Christian Nazi Tasui, who drops to. Sounds like I'm talking about some dishes I, at a I, Chinese I, restaurant. No, I don't even want to go. But, uh, You're doing a good job. Yeah, well, I, good job. I, I'm making it sound like I'm saying them right anyway. No, you um, are. He, sounds him to, he drops him to 2 and 1. Uh, and then finally on Friday uh, in. Uh, at the Hard Rock Casino in Florida, uh, Ivan uh, Daicho improved to 7-0 and when he knocked out Maurice Harris in the first round of a scheduled eight. Maurice drops to 26 wins, 22 losses, and three draws, um, which got me thinking, Sal. Um, okay. You know, uh, which is a dangerous thing, but I, it got me thinking because, uh, you know, a good fight coming up is Joseph Parker, who just recently lost his first fight of his career and his WBO world title uh, at the hands of Anthony Joshua. And he will be taking on Dillian White, who's uh, ranked number one in the world uh, at the uh, for WBC. These two guys are fighting at the end of this month. And I like this fight. I think it's an evenly matched fight. And I started thinking, Sal, are there any other meaningful heavyweight fights? And I could think of a few. One is the guy who won this previous weekend, Andy Ruiz Jr., who actually fought Joseph Parker for the vacant WBO title, and that's his only loss. I think a fight with him and Jarrell Baby Miller would be a good fight, Sal. These are two guys that need to beat each other. Instead of having the way the system works today, where you have a guy like Jarrell Baby Miller fighting literally cupcakes and stiffs and he's earned himself a a top ranking in uh some of the sanctioning bodies why not weed out 
you know, uh, contenders from pretenders and have him fight Andy Ruiz Jr. What's What are they so scared of? What's your thoughts on Jarrell Baby Miller against Andy Ruiz Jr.? I think that's a great fight. You sure you don't want to get a side job as a matchmaker? That's a perfect fight. I think it'll be a great fight to uh, put these two combatants together, and uh, let's see who wins. Uh, Reese Jr., I picked that one. But uh, I'll tell you what. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I think that's a perfect match, and I think it'll be an exciting fight. Uh, just f- for the record, I am a licensed matchmaker. But anyway, I know you are. Um, so I said a little I, tongue in cheek, you um, know. <laughs> um, I, you know, I like the fight, and I, like the I fight. think they both, even though they're both on the <clears throat> chubby side, um, Andy Ruiz has made uh, an effort to slim down. They both throw a lot of punches. They both can box. I think it would be a very evenly matched fight. Another fight that popped into my head, we've, we, last week we talked about the possibility of Deontay Wilder fighting Tyson Fury. Well, how about Tyson Fury against Luis Ortiz? How about that fight? What's your thoughts on that I think that that's one? a great fight. I think that's a great fight. Uh, I, think, I think for Tyson Fury, that's the quick route and the uh, obvious fight before he faces either a Deontay Wilder or an Anthony Joshua, which Anthony Joshua would be more likely. Uh, but I think that uh, a Tyson Fury versus Andy Ruiz should be a really good, good fight. You know, every time fighters are talking and calling people out, the one guy that nobody seems to call out is Luis Ortiz. Deontay oh. Wilder had a, a knockout, dragout, exciting fight against Luis Ortiz. Came out on top, knocking out Ortiz for the first his first loss of his career and the first time he was ever stopped. Um, you know, and I think that Luis Ortiz, e- even though he's probably in his late fifties by now, um, I think that uh, I think I think that he's still a dangerous fighter. And Tyson Fury uh, against Luis Ortiz, I think, would make a good fight. Well, wait, there's more. Because how about Deontay Wilder? We haven't heard anything from Deontay Wilder. We know that Anthony Joshua was set to fight Alexander Povetkin in September. Um, and then uh, uh, he's set again to fight in April. But how about uh, Deontay Wilder, instead of fighting Dominic Brazil, how about him take on Cuba Pulov, the same guy that Jarrell Baby Miller p- punked out of and chicken the chicken shit that he is uh, wouldn't fight him. How about Deontay Wilder fighting Pulev? Now, I, I think that that's a winnable fight for Deontay Wilder, but at least it's against a guy that has earned a shot at a top heavyweight, and I like that fight. Or, or well, what's your thoughts on, on Deontay Wilder against Pulev? I think it's a decent fight. It's a good fight, but you know, I'm I, if I if I show signs of apathy, it's because I really was set on seeing Deontay Wilder fight Anthony Joshua. Well, that's not happening. That, it's not happening. So Deontay has I, to fight somebody. Guess what? Right now, it may never happen. You're right. Because we don't know what the future of the next two fights for each of these guys may be. Well, my and, po- uh, well, my point is, who else can Wilder fight? That could generate some money for him. I think Pulov is is could generate some money, especially if Deontay, uh, you know, was was man enough to go over to Bulgaria, where there where they would he could make a ton of money. Listen, Deontay's. So? A, what, what, what do you think he can make over there? 
Five million? Yes, I think he could make five million. And right. and and that's more than he's ever fought for uh, up to now. Twice as much. And yeah. and he doesn't have the financial backing here. And quite honestly, who can he fight here in the states that he's going to make more than he made against Luis Ortiz? I don't think he's going to generate two and a half million against Dominic Brazil. You know, Deontay Wilder has to fight somebody, Sal. And you know, if he fights a slug. He's going to be criticized. If he fights Brazil, at least Dominic Brazil, as according to the WBC, is ranked number two. Dillian White was the guy that that uh, that Deontay Wilder should have fought, but he refused to fight the guy. You know, so you know, you know, Dominic Brazil is number two. But how about I got another? I think he could make good money fighting Pulov in Bulgaria. But how about if, if there's still time? How about if Deontay Wilder, since since Dillian White. And Joseph Parker are fighting at the end of this month. How about Deontay Wilder fighting the winner of that fight sometime in the fall, okay? And then the winner of that fight fights the winner of Anthony Joshua and uh, uh, and Povetkin in April uh, because they already have the dates. I mean, how about that? Or I got a better, I got a better shot for your there's boy. More? Yeah, there, there's <laughs> You're more. On a roll. Yeah, I am on a roll. There's more. How about your boy Deontay Wilder, who's who's a fraud in my opinion? How about he go and fight? Right, my opinion. I said that. Uh, yeah. How about he go and fight the WBA's regular heavyweight champion, Mar Manuel Char? Then he'll be able to pound his chest and say he's got two belts, and he should have no trouble with Manuel Char. What's your thoughts on him fighting? the winner of Dillian White, Joseph Parker, or punking out like he normally does and goes after a guy like Manuel Char. What's what's your thoughts on, on your idol, Deontay Wilder? I think uh, Parker, uh, that, that that opponent would be a better one to select than uh, Char. And uh, I think eventually they could fight for the Grand Supreme World Championship belt that'd be great <laughs> yeah and they get it and and besides the belt they give you an ice cream cone too after or a pizza but yeah or a pizza <laughs> but you know the point the point i'm making about your boy is the fact that he hasn't really fought anybody and it's time for him to fight a real opponent since he's not fighting anthony joshua joshua's fighting a real opponent in pavetkin it's a it's a real opponent it's not the fight we want to see but it's a real opponent now the pressure's on Deontay Wilder and his team to actually fight a real opponent. And uh, I just named a, a couple. But let's take a look at the heavyweight division right now. The way the, the sanctioning bodies have them uh, rated, okay, ranked. Okay. The WBC, obviously your boy is the champion, Deontay Wilder. The number one guy is Dillian White. The number two guy is Dominic Brazil. The number three guy is Alexander Povetkin. The number four guy is Luis Ortiz. The number five guy, which I'm a little shocked that he's this high, is Tony Bellew. And by the way, Tony Bellew had two heavyweight fights, both against David Hay. Um, you know, so he, he the WBC catapults him to number five, which he's one shot over number six, which is Joseph Parker which should clearly be uh, above Tony Bello. Number seven is Charles Martin. Number eight is the tough Adam Konowski. Number nine is the young German fighter Ejit Cabell. Number 10 is the, the uh, just tough guy, uh, Derek Chisora. 
Uh, 11 is Huey Fury. Number 12 is Oscar Rivas, who, by the way, the computer ranks him at number 40. All right. This is why these this is why these sanctioning body rankings are such a, a, a crock of baloney. Um, Oscar Rivas, uh, no disrespect to him. He's an exciting young up and coming fighter. WBC has him at number 12. But when you when you break it down via the computer, number 40, that's quite a disparity, uh, discrepancy. I mean, Carlos Takam is number 13. Uh, Bermain Stavern still in the rankings wow, for the W. Still, huh? he, yeah, uh, he's number 14. And the computer has him at number 29. Okay. And then Andy Ruiz is at number 15 for the WBC. Now, when we look at the biggest joke of all the sanctioning bodies, the WBA, and I'm not just saying this. Um, I, I, I can back it up. Wait till you hear these, Sal. Obviously, the WBA, reg, the super champion is Anthony Joshua. Their regular old world heavyweight champion is Mar- Manuel Char. This is a good... Listen... In all due respect, this is a good opponent for Deontay because Deontay can pick up this regular belt and uh, become a mandatory. You see, if Deontay really... I don't don't follow the regular belt issue. I I mean, go on, Bill. I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt. No, uh, listen, neither do I. Neither do I. But my point is, if if, if somebody was trying to move Deontay the right way from a business perspective, this is a bargaining chip. I would have went full bore and tried to negotiate a fight with Manuel Char. And the reason is Deontay Wilder should have no problems with Manuel Char. And then he gets to become a mandatory for Anthony Joshua. Um, At some point, Anthony Joshua's fighting is mandatory next, but uh, he would become some point. But he would also gain some, some leverage because he would have more than one belt. Anyway, Manuel Char, by the way, who's the WBA's regular heavyweight champion, is ranked number 31 by the computer, and he's a champion. Alexander Povetkin's ranked number one in the WBA. Check this one out, Sal. Frezzaquendo is ranked number two by the WBA. Now, he's not even rated on the computer, but you want to know why? Why? He hasn't ask why. He hasn't fought in three years, Sal. Three years. years? Fred Zaquendo is 40-something years old, has not fought a fight in three years, and the WBA has the balls to rank him at number two. Jarrell Miller. Jarrell Miller's ranked at number three. How Jarrell Miller gets in. The only only legit sanctioning body, in my opinion, right now, the WBC does not have Jarrell Miller ranked, which he shouldn't be. But Jarrell Miller's ranked number three. Pulov is number four. Trevor Bryan is ranked at number five. He hasn't fought in over a year. How about number six? BJ Flores. When was the last time he fought uh, to, to uh, even justify a number six ranking? He hasn't fought in over a year. He's not even ranked by the computer. And, and I want to know who he fought as a heavyweight that justifies him to be catapulted to number six. Dillian White is all the way at number seven for the WBA, um, behind BJ Flores and Frezzaquendo, by the way. Uh, uh, Guillermo Jones 
Number number eight. This was a cruiserweight champion. He's not rated because he hasn't fought in in over a year. And I want to know when was his last fight? He's number eight. Number nine, Christian Hammer. Number number ten is Alexander Ustinov. Not rated by the computer. Number eleven, Otto Whalen. Uh, number twelve, uh, Bogdan Dinu. He's not rated by the computer. Number thirteen is Bryant Jennings. He's rated number thirty by the computer. Johan Duopause is their number 14 guy. He's ranked at number 25 by the computer. And uh, uh, Kai Taro Fujimoto is ranked number 15. The computer sees him at number 43, Sal. Um, Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, the WBA is a complete joke. Anybody that puts any value on this sanctioning body is a clown. And just to go through the rest, the IBF, Anthony Joshua's the champ. And I, I always wonder, why don't they put a guy, why do they go through the the hassle of saying that they don't have a number one rated guy, all right? Um, you know, I, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's a joke. It's a joke. Um, they have no one ranked at number one, okay? Uh, Cuba Pulov, number two. Jarrell Miller, number three, another another sanctioning body that puts a guy who, who they 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 reward him with a top ten ranking for a guy that's never fought anybody close to a top ten fighter. Alexander Povetkin's number four, Huey Furry's number five, Carlos Decom number six, Joseph Parker all the way at number seven. Uh, uh, AJ Cabello is number eight, Otto Whalen number nine, uh, Erkan Tepper is ten, Alexander Demonchenko number eleven, Tom Schwartz number twelve. Adam Kowalski, number 13, uh, Bogdan Dinu, number 14, Charles Martin, number 15, and the WBO, Povetkin, number one, Dillian White, number two, um, and, I, and I still don't understand how Jarrell Miller um, gets uh, uh, gets in here, uh, but uh, Jarrell Miller is number three, Dominic Brazil, number four, Tom Schwartz, number five, Joseph Parker, number six, uh, Kaitaro Fujimoto, number seven, Jennings, number eight, AJ Cabello, number nine, uh, Zili Zhang, uh, number 10, uh, Jean Perry Austin, number 11, Tyrong Spong, number 12, Christian Hammer, 13, Oliver Whalen, uh, is, uh, number 14, and Ebenezer Scrooge, uh, I'm sorry, Ebenezer <laughs> Tita is, uh, number 15. Um, it's kind of, uh, kind of funny to see these, uh, sanctioning body rankings, Sal, and we always wonder, so-and-so's fighting who as a mandatory? Well, this is why. These ranking systems are so corrupt and inaccurate. What's your thoughts? You know, it is It is very disheartening to see how come there's so much between the sanctioning bodies that they can differ and, and so much that they can do to validate the rankings of some fighters. And... Uh, you know, we used to joke in the 80s and 90s, the WBA, the acronym or, or initials, what they stood for. And you know where I'm going with this, with Bob's approval. You know, and, and uh, that was the inside joke of the fighters, you know, with Bob's approval. But uh, the WBA uh, is is really just, uh, I, I don't know where they're going or where they really feel they have to be and why they do what they do to rank certain fighters a certain way. But uh, uh, I just wish that these sanctioning bodies, even though they keep uh, trying to uh, uh, control the, their segment of the game, 
I wish they would also be on the same page when it came to ranking and recognizing, you know, what the true uh, numbers and stats and everything else are about so they can have a solid basis and foundation to have a uniform ranking position here. I, I just it just it just blows my mind. It's 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 a different world today, it's a different world, a different game. And you know what I loved always about boxing was you had you had a combatant sport that started with the most simplest rules uh, and and regulations and uh, equipment and basically it was just a man, his heart, his conditioning, his desire to win, and uh, his ability. And you, you, you throw on and throw into the mix all the other stuff that, that, that the outsiders want to do to convolute and to disguise and to reinvent the, 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 the wheel. And it's, uh, it's, 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 it's hard to see. It's hard to see. And it comes down to greed, to need, to, to, to everything else. So, you know, the, the, you and I were talking about this the other day. You know, the casual fan or, or sometimes the fan they're being sold a bill of goods by people that are just marketing for their own end and uh, and uh, and not really giving the fans the true uh, sport as it was uh, years ago and to really uh, uh, see how it evolved. It, it became and always has been a business, but it's become a bigger business for a multitude of reasons and with a lot of hands and a lot of pots taking a lot of money. And uh, the, the, the purest fan uh, has really been uh, misled and, and down a path that, uh, you know, they believe what the media says and spews out. It's a, it's a, it's a vicious cycle, Bill. I don't know. It's just a, it's just a shame. It is. It is. Um, and uh, it's, it's sad, really. And, and what bothers me is the fact that there's so many um, fans that uh, buy into it. Just for the record here, the computer ranking, and I looked at BoxRec, uh, they don't have a champion. They have AJ number one, Deontay number two. And by the way, they do it by a point system, Sal. And Anthony Joshua uh, is just about 300 points higher than Deontay Wilder. Their number three guy is Tyson Fury, who's only 50 points behind Deontay. So I, I don't understand that. Alexander Povetkin's number four. See, this is my point. Anthony Joshua fighting Alexander Povetkin is a legitimate matchup between, you know, two good fighters. They have Tony Bello, number five, and shocking Jarrell Miller at number six. Luis Ortiz at seven. Dillian White at eight. Joseph Parker, number nine. I mean, I don't know how Dillian White and Joseph Parker are behind Jarrell Miller and Tony Bellew. Um, Dominic Brazil, number 10. Adam Kozanaki, uh, number 11. Christian Hammond, number 12. Charles Martin, number 13. Tomas Adamak, number 14. And Marco Captain Huck at number 15. Um, some of the other fighters that were ranked, I will mention, where they, where they stand... Dimitranko is 16, Ruiz is 17, Takam is 18, Huey Fury is 19, Ajit Kabeil is 20, uh, Jung Long Zhang is 21, Derek Chisora 22, Otto Whalen number 23, Tom Schwartz number 24, Erkan Tepper is number 28, Bermain Stavern is 29, Bryant Jennings is 30, Char, the regular old champion, he's number 31, Oscar Rivas is 40, uh, Zili Zhang is number 42, and Kataro Fujimoto is number 43. So that's 
that's the way the computer sees it. So um, it's um, it's it's very disheartening, um, in my opinion, Sal. Uh, oh yeah. You know, for for the division that drives the sport, um, you know, I, at least if if some of these guys and and we can't criticize lack of talent in any generation, but at least if they fought each other and climbed their way up, wouldn't that be better than what we got? Oh, well, that's that's the way it should be, Bill. You know, to to make private concessions uh, for for in a, in the name of money and 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 uh, you know, it's just it's just a shame because, like I said, this was a very basic sport that uh, you you fought, you fought to win, you kept climbing the ladder. And when you were on top of the ladder, you fought for a championship against the champion. And if you got beat, well, you know, you're down a couple of rungs of the ladder. And everybody behind you and above you is trying to strive to be the best, to get up to the top, to get a title shot and become a champion. And, and I mean, that's, that's simple math. It's simple common sense. It's simple striving for, for, for perfection, excellence, winning, whatever you want to call it. And we are not that easily reminded of how how the winning game of the sport should should go because it's 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 got all these little concessions here and there sidesteps politics everything else but you should have the best fighting the best proving that they are the ones deserving to be the world champion that's all i have an email here i want to read because it's kind of along the lines here it's from my man uh uh rick he says, hey, Billy C. and Sal, I actually feel a fight between Tyson Fury with either Deontay Wilder or AJ needs to be made as soon as possible. Not because I think it would be a good fight, but because Tyson Fury is still the linear heavyweight champion. Billy, I've heard you mention the linear title before. I may be wrong, but it kind of sounded like you dismissed that particular title. This was a surprise to me as the linear title is really the only title I recognize. This is Rick. He says, especially in the heavyweight division, when it can be traced back to so many legendary fighters. Did I misunderstand you about your thoughts on the linear belt? And do you agree with me that either uh, that neither AJ or Wilder can really solidify their place in history without knocking off Fury at some point? Um, Rick, I, I do agree with you. Uh, uh, but you did not hear me incorrectly. First of all, yes, Tyson Fury has the linear belt, and just like Muhammad Ali way back when, uh, when he was uh, put in exile, a lot of people did not uh, consider him, uh, you know, not the champion. Uh, when when he and Joe Frazier fought, that was actually uh, in a lot of people's minds uh, for the legitimate heavyweight title. And you could go back either further than that when my man Jack Johnson uh, became the heavyweight champion. The linear title actually belonged to James Jeffries, and until um, Jack Johnson had to destroy James Jeffries, uh, many people wouldn't recognize him as the champion too. The reason why I've lost a lot of credit and it's hard to follow is once the belt really broke up and started heading off into as many different directions as as the fireworks display that I witnessed the other day, um, you know, 
it was hard to really justify who who the champ was. I mean, you could say this guy was the linear champ, etc. But I think the icing on the cake for me was now now remember something. The linear championship kind of became what the ring belt was. Now the the linear title was prior to the ring magazine, okay? Uh John L Sullivan being the first uh, champion uh, in the gloved era, uh, was around prior to the ring belt. But the Police Gazette uh, was the one that recognized that. Um, but when uh, uh, Nate Fletcher and, and the ring belt uh, came, they were kind of in the uh, you know linear title move. When Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy bought the ring magazine, a lot of the credibility for the history of the ring and its champions, in my opinion, kind of went down the tubes. Not from that point previous, but from that point forward. And um, as much as I want to see Tyson Fury fight one of those champs, uh, I think it's very hard to see uh, and follow the linear champ, especially when uh, these sanctioning bodies go out of their way to break it up. And quite honestly, to have a regular champion and a super champion, I don't know. It would be great to have the guy who beat the guy who beat the guy who beat the guy, etc. And that all fights had to be fought inside the ring. But with today's attitude of ducking this guy and only fighting that guy because he's easier and I can make more money, it kind of really ruins the whole premise of the linear title. What's your thoughts on this, Sal? I concur with you. It, it, it's diluted enough, and uh, you know, to have the clarity of of, of being what it is, you, you know, fight for the title, fight for a championship, have the best fight, the best, and it just is, uh, you know, very frustrating for me to follow a bouncing ball when it's not being consistent across the board. That's all. Um, I'm, I, I just, you know, I, hey, Rick, I, I uh, appreciate your email, and um, hey. what. And you know, it 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 is also you know I I understand what he's saying about Tyson Fury and the linear champion all this stuff, but if the guy stayed retired, or if the guy I mean he's got to he's got to work work his he can be a linear champion, but he's got to you know work his way uh, and earn you know after being idle for so long, and and I, I think even though he could be recognized as a linear champion, he still has to. Uh, uh, you know, do something, either defend the title or, or, or just make his way back to, to earn a shot at at uh, Tice, at, uh, at Anthony Joshua or Deontay Wilder. Sal, um, it was announced over the weekend that uh, Manny Pacquiao uh, challenging Lucas Matisse uh, for his WBA regular uh, junior, uh, I mean, uh, his regular... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, junior. Yeah, it's it's. Um, actually, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I thought it was. Uh, um, uh, it's a, it's a welterweight. It's the WBA's regular welterweight championship. Um, the uh, uh, champion is Lucas Matisse, and Manny Pacquiao um, is challenging for that. It was announced over the weekend that this fight will only be available on ESPN Plus, which is ESPN's new streaming uh, uh, platform. Um, you know, uh, it's got me, the, the sport has got me down. Uh, the fans have got me down. Uh, a lot of, not our 
fans, not the fans that watch and listen to this show, because uh, quite honestly, the the most knowledgeable boxing fans that I've come across, and I don't know um, if we've just kind of uh, attracted the the fan that knows what they're talking about. I mean, occasionally we'll get uh, some people that don't, but um, it just seems that the fan base is divided. Um, you either they either love their guy and everyone else is a bum, or you know uh, if people don't agree with them, they they hate you know they they hate you. You know they'll talk smack about you or or whatever. Um, my thoughts on this platform was no one recognizes the future and and technology more than myself my my background has been in this you know this i've talked about this many many times and i and i'm i'm not against streaming at all as a matter of fact i i, I think it's the future 100% but to force the fans today where we are today where streaming is not um, the norm, it, it, a lot of people are cutting the cable uh, cord, so to speak, and, and getting away from the, the satellite uh, opportunities, and, and they're going with streaming, which I'm, I'm totally supportive of. But it's not the norm, meaning the majority of the boxing fans aren't in the streaming world yet. Uh, so to force them to watch a fight of, of this magnitude, and I said this when Terrence Crawford um, you know, fought for uh, Jeff Horn for his title. In a sense, the greed factor is taken over again, and I, I'm not. I'm 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 extremely opposed to it, Sal. And uh, the same thing. The rumor uh, with uh, with uh, Eddie Hearn and and Dazen D A Z N uh, possibly being the only option for us to watch Anthony Joshua uh, fight in September. Uh, Triple G and, and Canelo, at least they already are on pay-per-view uh, through HBO. What's your thoughts on, on the, the, the powers that be in the sport of boxing basically <clears throat> forcing the boxing fan to ante up once again? Well, you know, you, you, said, uh, you said two things, forcing and only option. It's a shame. They should market uh, a couple different options here to see – which, uh, you know, people do most most common thing is people will move along the line of or path of least resistance. So when you, you constantly throw something out there to, 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 to have the pathway cluttered or, or having to dodge this one, that one and go around, you know, you make it harder. And the fans will, will, will say, hey, you know, we can only take so much. So. You know, I think they should give you some options. If they want to try and experiment and try to utilize and try to market something, let's see. Why don't you let the fans come around on their own terms? So instead of giving it just uh, your terms, uh, I mean, the industry or the backing, let, let, let the fan have an option. Let him let him come around and come full circle and realize what, what's happening on his own terms. I don't know. It's, it's a shame, Bill. It really is. It is. Well, the, the, the thing is, is that when you're, when you're trying to, especially in Terrence Crawford's case. I mean, I many, know we talked about that. Yeah. I, I mean, you want as many sets of eyes as, as you can. And, um, I, I'm, you know, what I would have done is I would have offered the stream at a, at a discounted price, yeah, you know, and, and, and get people, get people hooked on it that way, then yes. do the conversion, 
You know, I mean, it's like selling one of your famous pizzas for five bucks, get everybody addicted to it, then triple the price, you know, and they're still going to buy it. You know what I mean? So it's the same thing. And Manny Pacquiao, we're going to talk more about this tomorrow, but Manny Pacquiao very well could be on his last legs, you know, um, you know, as he sunk this low uh, where he's going to be on a stream. You know, and, and no discredit to ESPN. And I got news for you. A lot of people that watched that ESPN Terrence Crawford, ESPN plus Terrence Crawford fight, said it was choppy and very terrible, that the stream was terrible. You know, and they'll blame your own uh, internet service. But that's the other part of it. You can't expect to sell a streaming service and then when people complain about it, blame it on their provider. Because in order to be successful with any kind of streaming service, you have to be able to run on the oldest, crappiest setup because you can't expect people to not only purchase your streaming uh, subscription, but then they have to upgrade their whole setup in order to get it. You can't expect that. That's not the way traditionally the technology works. It's always the best will drop down to the lowest um, you know, to work, so it will work, but you can't go from the lowest to the best. In other words, you you can't have the lowest and get the best service um, with the lowest, but the best, the streaming service should still work um, in an acceptable way on the lowest. You, you know what I'm saying? No, I, I you lost me on one bouncing ball. No, uh, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, true. if it's you, true. yeah, it's if true. you, if you're gonna, if you're gonna introduce a new section, a, a new uh, streaming service. Yeah. You want you everybody do it at a discount. You do it that's palatable to the fans, and you let them engage on their level. There, you know, guess we're going to try it. I'm going to try it. For that's an example, for an example, Sal, today if if you have a, a cable company providing your internet service, they offer you the the base internet service. Then they'll offer you like a turbo or super speed or whatever they call it, and then uh, you know an exceptional speed. They'll give you three options, and then anything higher than that. Like what we use uh, here is a, what they refer to as a business class where you can actually tell them the speed you want and they charge you accordingly. You know, and that's why our um, <laughs> fees are so high every month. But, um, you know, when you're when you're when you're selling a streaming service, it has to be able to function on that low end service is my point. You can't expect all of your. Um, you know, potential users to be forced to upgrade their internet service so that they can purchase your stream. That doesn't work. That even limits your sets of eyes even more. That's my point. Uh, it's true. It's true. And I, I think you make a good point and a valid point. And that's what you do when you market something, especially something new. You want everybody to be, you want to be inclusive. You don't want to eliminate anybody. You want the numbers. And, you know, you do it at a, at a rate that's palatable that people feel they can do and because uh, people are going to make that decision, something that's doable and meaningful for them. And, uh, and then if you see the need to, uh, to then uh, show them a true price or what would be uh, more on a, a level of gain for the company, then, then they do it. And people still have the option, you know. But at least you give it, you offer it to them at a lower, at a discounted rate. Um to continue, the masses. to continue with just Manny Pacquiao right now, as of today, he's a two-to-one favorite to beat Matisse. You know, I'm not so sure that that's really the case. I, I think that's a 50-50 fight. I mean, Matisse is a tough guy. 
Um, uh, you know, Pacquiao's not the same Pacquiao. You know, uh, if he if he tries to fight the same way, I mean, and and the other thing is, he's not that I. You know, you and I both feel the same way about Freddie Roach, but Freddie Roach isn't in his corner. Um, you know, so uh, you know he is uh, fighting uh, in uh, Malaysia. Um, uh, you know, so I, I mean, uh, um, you know, he's used to that. He'll have a big fan following. Uh, Matisse isn't. Um, you know, he's there uh, already. He's been there for over a week, uh, getting used to the time and uh, difference and, and, of course, the weather. <clears throat> but um, I'm not so sure. Uh, Manny Pacquiao had a lot of other issues going on with the finances for this fight. Um, you know, paying Matisse, he's already gotten a, a boatload of cash in his hands before the, the bell even rang. So I'm not, I'm not so sure that going to ESPN Plus was a smart move. Um, I do believe Top Rank is handling that. They're the ones with the deal with ESPN. But regular ESPN uh, should have gotten the uh, uh, this fight. If if I were Manny Pacquiao, I would I would have wanted to make sure that I was on as many sets uh, that I was available to as many sets of eyes as possible, uh, especially for a fight that could mean so much to him in the future. Sal, I agree with you, and and I think that. Uh... You know, it is it is going to be a good fight. I think Matisse, you can't just count on him to roll over. I mean, this is going to be a good fight for Manny. Uh, I, 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 you know, still question why, but uh, uh, I think that uh, it should be a competitive fight, and hopefully, we'll be able to preview it and see it uh, in a, in a good fashion. We'll see what happens. Um, I've been promising everybody an announcement about the show, and I guess it's time to spill the beans, Sal. Um, you know, uh, I've been doing this show for 15 years and, um, you know, we've evolved. We, we started out as a once a week show. Uh, we went to, uh, uh, a, a daily format. Then we, we went to a two hour, a daily one hour, once a week, one hour, once a week, two hour, then a daily one hour, then a daily two hour. We, we switched around. We were on mornings, we we're on nights, um, and uh, we, we've been doing this for a long time. Uh, we have a great staff, um, you know, obviously Sal and myself. And then, you know, my man Dax is, is a big part of this show, as well as uh, Alex Papali and, and uh, Larry Hazard and, and really all the, all the people that help behind the scenes. Uh, Johnston uh, doing some uh, uh, UK correspondence. E even my man uh, F.A., uh, Mr. Apples, uh, who's a moderator in our uh, – uh, in, in our um, uh, chat room over on YouTube. Uh, we are on TV. We're on radio, podcast, uh, on-demand, uh, internet streaming, and, of course, YouTube. Um, but, um, you know, there's been a lot of changes with the sport that I guess I'm having a hard time with. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of it has to do with the fan base, the younger fan base, and, and their inability to take the time to do a little research uh, on the history of this sport or, you know, they come out and they start saying their guy, you know, it really started for me, Sal, with Floyd Mayweather and Floyd Mayweather's and not 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 Floyd. I'm not going to bash Floyd, but the the fan base that he attracted and, and during the same time when Floyd was was at the top of his game, so was Manny Pacquiao. So was Triple G. And, you know, those three names, if you mentioned 
Manny Pacquiao or Triple G to a Floyd Mayweather fan, they would immediately discredit them. They're bums. That is, they, Floyd doesn't even have to fight them because he knows he can beat them, blah, blah, blah. And they would justify it. And, and with all due respect, a lot of the Manny Pacquiao fans were the same way about Floyd. You know, you mentioned Floyd to Manny Pacquiao fans and they don't want to, they didn't want to hear about it. And what I started to realize is that it was the fans and the fans' um, inability to know what the big picture is. The other thing is, is that social media, as good as it is for this sport, is the culprit. You know, you have a guy, recently a lot of talks were going on between Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. Again, the Deontay Wilder fans hate the Anthony Joshua fans. The Anthony Joshua fans hate the Deontay Wilder fans. You know, what this sport needs is unity, not division. We have too much division. We've been talking about the sanctioning bodies and, and the laughable rankings that they have and, and the fact that they won't put a guy in one ranking if he's wearing a belt from another sanctioning body. All of a sudden, he's added a picture. We talked about this last week. Manny Pacquiao was a longtime ranked fighter for the WBO. He's fighting this weekend for a WBA title. Poof. He disappears from the WBO rankings. You know, I mean, you got to have more of a reason to remove a fighter out of your rankings other than because he's fighting for another belt. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. And year, several years back, we had several debates about the amount of titles that there were. And there were a lot of young fans that like a lot of titles. They felt that it was better for the fighters, that they were able to make more money, that, that they, you know, uh, it, was, it was good. And I laughed because it, there's no definitive champion when there's multiple f titles. You know, we talk about, uh, you know, the fighters of today marinating a fight. The younger fans, and, and I keep saying younger, but a majority of the fans like the marination process. Why? We don't need it, you know? Anyway, um, Sal and I have discussed in detail about this, and um, beginning tomorrow will be our last show. Um, we will be doing a show tomorrow. Uh, we will not be back um, until, well, now we will be back to do our post-fight shows. Um, this is going to be on a trial basis. We will return for the... I was going to do one for the Manny Pacquiao-Matisse fight on Saturday. But I, I don't want to because they're, they're forcing everyone to watch it on the stream. So we're going to wait till August 4th um, after the Kovalev fight. That will be a, a, a major fight. And we will come back and do our post-fight. Now, the way this, the format will work is we will do our post-fight show... Uh, our regulars will come on, give us give us the thoughts, um, and then we'll open up phone lines, and then we'll discuss. Uh, Sal and I will come back after the phones uh, mellow out a little bit, and we will discuss some of the top news in the sport that took place. Now, my goal is to do a post-fight show once a week. Uh, we are going to take a couple of weeks off to recharge and get some things in order, uh, but beginning on in August, we will be doing a post-fight show once a week, whether there's a big fight or not. We will pick one fight that will become our post-fight, and we will go from there. We also um, have some other ideas floating around where we may uh, do a show here and there, um, but, uh, but that's the way it's going to be. Uh, you know, the one thing that we got to maintain is our own interest in this, 
and a lot of things are pushing me personally away. And, um, you know, it is what it is. So uh, tomorrow will be our last show. We will be doing a, a post-fight show on August 4th. Um, I always encourage everyone to drop me an email. But in this particular case, I encourage you to go talk with other boxing fans about this show and about your thoughts about our decision here uh, on social media. I would like to see some stuff on social media. Um, and that's it is what it is. You know, uh, Sal, what do you want to add to this? Well, I just want to say that that uh, I I love the show. I love doing what we do, um, and I'm looking forward to see our resurgence, if you will, or reinventing ourselves, if you will. And uh, you know, the game of boxing, like I say, I I I, I love it. I think uh, you know we're passionate about it. You're passionate about it, and. Some of the people that uh, that are in charge of the decision making of which direction the game goes is very frustrating, you know. When we recognize that they may not have the fans' best interest at heart, and you know they do a good sale job, they do a good selling of 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 this, that, and everything else, and you know what we and you and I are used to seeing and is is a different game uh that that we grew up with and um yes it's 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 evolved but it's also regressed in in a sense and uh uh i'm hoping that uh, that what we do in the post fights will keep our fan base and that we will gain uh, additional fan base and and we can move on and and evolve and and like i said it's a trial thing that uh, that you stated, and we're going to uh, gear it up and gear it down to where we need to be uh, in this contemporary time of fighting. And uh, hopefully, it'll all work out. We'll learn and we'll uh, we'll gauge it for the future to see where we go and what direction that that uh, we want to steer the ship that you want to steer the ship in. So I think uh, anything negative is a positive, and we just uh, we just have to grow and go with the times. And uh, this is one way of doing it in a consolidated fashion that's going to maximize our efforts for what we do. You know, in addition to some of the negativity, I mean, I got to be honest when I say that, you know, I'm not crazy about how the sport is. You know, here, here we have all of these great athletes. And the potential of of really being one of the best eras this sport has ever seen and yet the fighters themselves, at least the U.S. fighters, and the promoters and the television networks and, and some of the powers that be preventing it. They're all preventing it. You know, um, this move about the uh, uh, Pacquiao being on a, um, on a stream, a new streaming service. I mean, this is a service that hasn't even been out two months yet um, is, a, is a great example of it. You know, I, I've, years ago, when we had closed circuit TV, it was a special thing. You know, you had these huge fights were on closed circuit. That evolved into pay-per-view. Pay-per-view still had huge fights. Then all of a sudden, greed took over again back then. And then we started seeing only decent fights on pay-per-view. And the rest of the fights that we were subjected to were garbage. Well, that failed. That pay-per-view model failed. There were some other websites that tried to do streaming, for a cheap price, nobody wanted to pay. You know, it's a funny thing. You know, the consumer draws the line. And when they don't want to pay for something, things get revamped. Well, the same thing has to happen here with the streaming stuff. You know, the more people that buy it, the more it's going to stay. 
and you know if they want to just cater to the diehard fan you see this is a direct sale this is why the powers that be can afford to do this sal because they're selling this this fight so to speak directly from them to the consumer there's no more distributor middleman if you will you know the way it used to be you sell a fight to a network or to a pay-per-view and then the, that distributor promotes it hey we're gonna have this fight on it blah, 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 blah. they advertise it and they get a cut of the money well what's happening now with these direct streaming companies is they're eliminating that they're charging the consumer directly and they're saying hey we're eliminating uh what this percentage was so we're losing x amount of money but we're gaining this much so maybe the formulas that they use are showing them that they're going to make more money what do you think I think you're uh, you're on to something there, Chappie. I think uh, you got you know it's 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 true. It's uh, you know, I hate to sound redundant or, or repetitive of it, but uh, I I do see where you're coming from, and and it makes a lot of sense uh, when you look at uh, you know how they are man- not manipulating, for lack of a better term, but how they're presenting uh, uh, the things that we have to make a decision of following or not. Uh, on, a, on a regular basis so I think that uh, you make a good point and as uh, Cy Sims used to say and educated the consumer is our best customer I um, I just uh, you know it's between uh, the constant marination and the ducking of fight this whole Anthony Joshua Deontay Wilder thing uh, to me was synonymous to took your heart away it, it, it took did. my heart away it did it, it, it did it did, it did. It, you know what like I said here here it is and I'm sorry Bill I didn't mean to interrupt but, but like I said you're passionate about it I'm passionate about it there's no reason that these two combatants could not have gotten into the ring as as it was predicted or projected and there's no reason like I have said all along when two fighters truly want to fight each other nothing's going to stop that from happening so who who does not want to fight the other fighter i guess we'll never really know but the bottom line is uh uh they should have been in that ring come the the end of this year and uh uh but the teasing the marination the whole thing is very very disheartening to the purest to the fans to the to the people that really want to see with competition, with true boxing, with true fighting, with true uh, pounding of the chest and standing for what you you're you're doing in your life and your career is all about. And, it's, it's, uh, you know we're being denied that. It's deeper, and I'll tell you why. Because a fight of that magnitude, Anthony Joshua against Deontay Wilder, goes deeper than the boxing purist or the boxing diehard fan. Just like, and what I was starting to say. I was just equally as disheartened when Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather didn't happen until it did. Um, what happens is you, you're chasing away the casual fan, which this sport needs. You know, there's a lot of people that are not diehard NFL football or baseball or basketball fans, but they do tune in at times for playoffs or championship games or rivalry games. And that's something that boxing needs to explore. They are alienating it, and it's a mistake, you know, between a, a, an unknowledgeable fan base, 
between the social media trolls, um, between all of the things that are happening today, it's very hard to stay into it. Um, I can understand, and I've talked to so many people that would start off, they find out what I do, and next thing you know, they say, ah, I used to be a fan. I used to be a boxing fan. Not anymore. You know, and I can see it. And I tried telling them, well, we've got some great champions. We've got some talented fighters out there today. Try it again. Watch it. Tune in. You know, and then you hear this stuff. They tune in for a couple of fights. They get hooked again. And then the fights they want to see don't materialize. And, and you know, you made a statement. You always slip it in, just like I always slip in my opinion um, about we'll never know who didn't want to fight who. Well, well here's, here's the thing, all right? The reason why I'm adamant about knowing that it was Wilder who effed up here because Deontay Wilder does not have other options. That's the key. The key for Anthony Joshua is he does. He says, this is the offer. I'm the guy driving this bus. Until you recognize that, go ahead. Go make your, your $1.5 million, $2 million fights. Go ahead. Go fight the guys that people are going to criticize you for because that's what's going to happen. I was, I was announcing fights earlier today that were, would be potentially good fights for Deontay Wilder. All right? But the fact is, how come we haven't heard anything from Deontay? You know, Anthony Joshua, we heard that not only is he fighting a legitimate in everybody's ranking top contender, but he's already got the next date set up. We don't even know when Deontay's going to fight again. We, we heard rumor, rumor, that he's fighting Dominic Brazil. But even so, you know, I mean, I don't have anything against that fight, but there are definitely better fights for Deontay. Deontay could say he wants the winner of Dillian White and, uh, and Joseph Parker. That's a good fight for Deontay. Good like fight. I said before, he could even go right now to Cuba Pulov which baby Joe Miller, uh, you know, pussied out, right? He could go fight, uh, you know, Cuba Pulov in Bulgaria. He could accomplish a couple of things, Sal. He could accomplish the fact that he's fighting a legitimate contender, number one. He could show that he's not afraid to leave the U.S., number two. And number three, he's going to make twice as much money as he can make in the States. So, I mean, you know... I'm, I'm convinced that Deontay Wilder is not being managed correctly or advised, however you want to define it. And the options are far and few in between for him. And, you know, the longer that he pounds his chest and says he's the best and that uh, AJ's afraid of him and all of this, you know, it's going to go back to, well, you had a, you had a $15 million contract in, in front of you that you didn't sign. They also upped the ante that they'd pay you $5 million to fight anybody else and then fight Anthony Joshua in April. You haven't signed that either. You know, I, I mean, you know, the truth of the matter is, is put up or shut up, Sal. Well, if that's the true, uh, the Come true on. cars that are being dealt, uh, I, I think that uh, there should have been more from... Uh, a proactive standpoint from Deontay Wilder. Sal, Sal, aside from being his fan, could you give me a yeah. reason why you th you always throw in true? It could be we don't well, know. No, the truth. I, you know what? Because like, what's your substance? Give me a no, reason. I think I think you know what. If everything is as it appears to be, that the contracts were issued, 
and and he didn't sign a fifteen million dollar contract to fight Anthony Joshua. He didn't sign the other contract offering five million. I mean, that's twice as much as he's ever made just to fight somebody in between and fighting Anthony Joshua later. I mean, it's very disheartening for a, to be a De- Deontay Wilder fan and believing because you know being his fan or being being one that's frustrated because I don't think he's been advised correctly or properly on, on a lot of levels. Uh, I I I. I'm going to say it right here. I think there are very few fighters that can withstand uh, a 12-round fight with Deontay Wilder. And I think I could see him uh, beating many of the people out there that, that are going to be left for him to fight. But instead of him making a uh, a $20 million or a $30 million purse over the next two fights, he's going to be making maybe 5 or 10 and that's it. Yeah, but I mean, any any substance of why... You, you know, you always feel that, you know, oh, well, if it's really the truth, uh, you know, we, we, you know, you, you allude to the fact that maybe AJ was the guy who was afraid to fight Deontay or decided not to. And, and when you, when you're talking about, you know, making 10 or, or actually 12 and a half million more than you ever made, I mean, and then for Deontay to have the balls to call it crackhead money for a guy that's never made anywhere near it, I, it doesn't make any sense, Sal. And I'm and I'm being a hundred percent serious. And you know, I I just want, I just want a, a, an, an an intelligent reason of why I, I should think that Deontay isn't full of beans. Well, I, I obviously the only thing I can say is Deontay feels that this fight, the magnitude of this fight, not taking into consideration what he's fought for as far as the size of person be, before, but I think Deontay Wilder, in his mind, uh, realizes the magnitude of this fight is worth more than what he's going to be uh, uh, allotted or given. That's the only thing. Let so me ask I, you I this: think, think, Does the let me ask you this? Does the value yeah. continue to go up? If, assuming that Anthony Joshua uh, fights Povetkin and wins, and then maybe fights another fight, fight, uh, you know, there's rumor that he's if 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 uh, Wilder doesn't step up to the plate for April, that uh, AJ would fight the winner of Parker Dillian White. I mean, uh, he's got Tyson Fury in his back pocket to fight, um, even Tony Bellew, possibly another English uh, England fight. Um, you know, I, I mean, the longer this goes on in in the past, a demand may be higher, but the options are so limited for Deontay. Is he ruining his own value by 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 dragging this on? Good question, Bill. And I'll tell you what, you, you know, you can only boil the water for so long before it evaporates. I just made that up, but it looks good. I like that. I agree and, with and, me. I agree sorry. with me. I agree yeah, with I like me. that. You can only get you, you can only get that water hot enough where it boils. And you let it boiling, it's gonna evaporate. And like I said, we we've been talking about the Ate Wilder and Anthony Joshua for two years now. And here it looked like they were gonna put ink to paper and uh, we were gonna be fulfilled with the one one of the greatest heavyweight championship unification bouts in a very, very long time. And uh, to be teased by it and denied it uh, is very, very frustrating for the fan and for you and I to accept uh, on, on, a, on a basis like, hey, guess what? We're going to come back to the pool and drink it again. Uh, so, you know, I, I think the, the, the pot has steamed away and, and boiled the water away. And 
will there be an interest? Of course there's going to be an interest. Of course if both the fighters continue to win. But it's going to be like uh, like the Mayweather and like the Pacquiao fight. Uh, it was five years after the fact. I thought it was anticlimactic. And uh, I, I didn't think we got the best of what we what the fan was looking for. Now, if these guys do get back in the ring uh, uh, together um, before the middle of next year, yeah, it'll be a good fight. Yeah, I, I, I guess uh, people will pay for it. I'll pay for it. I'll watch it. But it, it, it doesn't leave the good taste in my mouth as if they did it right now. And I don't think it's going to rise above the level of the boiling point as it did uh, for, for, for us being so close to getting that fight done. I think now it's only going to be inevitable that, yeah, it will get done. But, you know, we're going to see what happens, how and when and where. And if it has the value, so be it. Okay, we were wrong, Bill, you and I. Uh, but if it doesn't, like I said, the enthusiasm, uh, I felt I felt that the the these the bodies and the powers that may be, I think they shot themselves in the foot. I think I think that, uh, you know, if, if we want to put the blame on both fighters, if the, if this is a big scam and they're planning this and let it marinate, let's 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 get the yeah, fan. exactly. they're turning fans Shame away. Well, they're turning fans away. I, I, yeah. I you know the initial uh, reaction to even Triple G Canelo is less than it was the first time. Um, you know, it took both trainers to to you know get some uh, uh, mud being slung. Uh, you know, and I think that uh, the the public can only take so much. And and the same group of fans that are kind of pushing me away, are uh, are the ones that lose interest in five minutes anyway, you know. So you know to cater to that fan base is a huge mistake. I, I still think that greed is the main problem here. And you know, Deontay Wilder had an opportunity to take and make uh, more money than he ever did, and better his career even if he lost even if he lost you know if it was a fight kill or be killed type of a fight people would his value would have gone up people don't understand when you're a fighter and you reach a plateau for a certain uh, uh, purse you never make less than that range again Anthony Joshua will never make less than 20 million for a fight I don't care if he loses if he loses he's still gonna make that much you know why because if he doesn't, he don't, he won't even fight. Deontay Wilder was in a position to up his general purse, whether he won, lost, or had a draw with Anthony Joshua. He would have quadrupled it, but he chose not to. He chose to hold out and thinks that he's going to get more. And I don't disagree with you about the magnitude of the fight. The magnitude of this fight is all, is is huge, but you can only push it so far. He wasn't going to get $20 million. He wasn't going to get $50 million. He wasn't going to get it. He doesn't have the resume. He doesn't have the fan base. He, he's not bringing enough stuff to the dance. And the only way for him to get enough stuff to bring to the dance is if there were other dance partners. And there's not. There's no other name out there that's going to generate big money for him except for maybe Tyson Fury. Except for maybe Tyson Fury. You know, so I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, this is a big mistake. The silence from him is deafening. Uh, it shows me that, I, honestly, that he he basically hopped on the, the uh, Anthony Joshua publicity train, uh, stole some limelight, 
got some more fans, which he did, and uh, and he jumped he jumped off, and now he's going to see what happens. If he wants to focus on fifty and zero, great, but he's not going to uh, he's not going to have the uh, respect of the of the diehard fans. So he's not. Well, time and opponents are going to tell, and uh, you know maybe maybe he's going to do what he's got to do uh, for next year or two, and and build up that record, and and maybe he'll make his fiftieth fight, uh, Anthony Joshua. That'll be uh, that'll be <laughs> well. Hopefully, they'll both be undefeated at that time. That's five but years. That listen. That's if, five years. If away. if that's, if that's if Deontay fight. Wilder all of a sudden was fighting four times a year, okay. Um, you know, I, you know, it's it's going to be three years uh, before yeah. that happens, before he gets. And in order for him to get to fifty and zero, that means he's going to have to fight ten more bums. All right, uh, and, and although that the WBC and some of the other sanctioning bodies would oblige for him and hand feed him some more cupcakes, um, will the demand really be that high? Basically, what you'll end up with is a fifty and zero fighter which would always be scrutinized because of his level of opposition against assuming AJ is still in the business uh, against a guy who would have been fighting all the top guys. Uh, so, no, no, the 50, no, you know, it can't, it that. can't, Sal. it can't. I'm just throwing it out there. It, it just makes no sense, though. It makes no sense. No. And, well, you know, and, and it's true. It makes no sense because, like you said, and like we both said, you know, this fight was going to be signed, sealed, and hopefully delivered. It's not. And when you look at the logistics, I mean, when you look at the possibility that Deontay Wilder could have pocketed thirty million dollars within the next year, I mean, that's a that's that's hard cry to say. How well, how are you going to get to that right now? And uh, you know, unless he thinks uh, he's gonna he's gonna uh, stall at one or two fights, and then by the end of the next year he gets a uh, hundred million. But you know, I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, there's not enough of a credible, in my opinion big heavyweights in there in the division that's going to help uh, bolster someone's uh, uh, credibility up that high. That's, I, I just, that's I think, the key. I, that's the yeah. key. Because, because you know, Anthony Joshua can, can go ahead and continue fighting in front of 90,000 people. Oh, yeah. He can continue making $20 million minimum. And Deontay Wilder is going to be stuck fighting at the Barclays Center uh, in front of 1,500, 15,000. I don't even know. You know, uh, may, maybe they got 8,000, 10,000. I don't know. Um, they gave tickets away. Nobody even, they, you know, they don't even know who he is. Um, who's he going to fight? Who are they going to dig up? You know, Dominic Brazil's one name. You know, he could fight Luis Ortiz again. Okay. Who's he going to fight? Charles Martin. Uh, you know, uh, Tyson Fury, Huey Fury. Uh, listen. There's no name out there that could generate that could get him to a point where he's all of a sudden becomes worth fifty million. It, 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 listen, the best fights for Wilder are the ones I said earlier. He could fight Pulov in Bulgaria. He could he could target the winner of Joseph Parker Dillian White, uh, or if he really wants to show his true colors, go after Manuel Char and then pound your chest and say you have more than one belt. You know, because that is more like a Deontay Wilder move, in my opinion. Go after the weakest link and then pound your chest. You know, I mean, uh, that's, you know, whatever. But uh, anyway, on this day in boxing history, it feels like, uh, it feels weird without doing commercials, huh? 
I'll tell you, we did this whole thing. Boy, we spoke for, for well over an hour. Hour and, a, hour and a half, to be exact. An hour and uh, a half, to be exact. But uh, yes. <laughs> uh, on this day in boxing history, July 9th in 1970, Carmen, Car, uh, Carmelo Bossi wins a 15-round decision over Freddie Little to win the world junior middleweight title. It took place in Italy. On this day in 2006, Corey Spinks wins a 12-round decision over Roman Carmazan. Uh, to win the IBF World Junior Middleweight title, and that took place in St. Louis, Missouri. On this day in 1989, Edwin Rosario knocks out Anthony Jones in the sixth round to regain the vacant WBA World Lightweight title. It took place in Atlantic City, New Jersey. On this day in 1995, uh, Tracy Patterson knocks out Ed Hobson in the second round to win the IBF World Junior Lightweight title. It took place in Reno, Nevada. That is on this day in 1974, Ruben Olivares knocks out Zanuki Utagua in the seventh round to win the vacant WBA World Featherweight title, and that took place in Inglewood, California. And finally, on this day, July 9th in 1989, Kakor Galaxy wins a 12-round decision over Sung Kill Moon to regain the WBA World Bantamweight title, and that took place in Bangkok on this day in 1989. Listen, boys and girls, uh, make sure you tune in uh, for tomorrow's show. Uh, it will be the last show until August 4th when we do our, uh, we'll be kicking off our new weekly uh, post-fight shows. So uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da na 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 na